0: want to continue on on our series called All That Matters, and uh, this morning I'm going I'm to be talking about All That Matters, and I want to talk about uh, what the first is for, what the first is for, and before I talk about what the first is for, last week I talked about, I talked about what uh, your life is for. And uh, we discovered last week, if you were with us last week, we discovered that our life was designed by God for generosity, that he created us to be generous. We discovered through that whole process that he wants us to be generous in uh, love. He wants us to be generous in goodness. He wants us to be generous in every part of our life. And especially in our generosity, how it produces life through our lives. We also discovered that generosity is a, a part of, uh, and actually one of the fruits of the Spirit, goodness. Goodness actually le- means generosity. And uh, we'll never discover what life is truly about until we become generous. If we're not generous, uh, then we are missing out on life's best. Uh, the Bible tells us if we'll lose our life, then we'll find it. But if we hold on to it and we, we try to be selfish with our life, then we will lose life. We won't understand the meaning of life. And of course, we know that our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, one of the, one of the main things that should be taking place in our life is that we would become Christ-like And to be Christ-like, we understand that he so loved the world that he gave. He is a generous God. Thank God that God is generous. He's not withholding anything. And so uh, in this whole series, I'm talking about all that matters. Too many times we put too much... On things that don't matter, we we uh, we allow materialism and we allow things and issues and stuff that really don't matter, don't have any eternal value uh, to become the focus of our life. And when that becomes the focus of our life, then we miss out on the really the meaning of life that God had for us. And so, generosity is what we talked about last week. And today, we want to talk about what the first is for and. Uh, and I, honestly, my whole heart in this whole, this whole series is this, is that, and, and I'll get to it in a little bit, and I'll actually define it here in a little bit, but that God, God's created us to make a life-giving difference with our lives. We, we have four purposes, four things that we're, four objectives that we have as a, as a church and should be as a Christian, one, that we help people to experience life. That ought to be our, our goal is that our main goal this morning is that you would experience life. That uh, and, and whether you're a Christian or not, uh, we, want, we want you to experience life and to know Christ is to experience life. When we get away from knowing him or if we don't know him, we do get away from him. And so we, we want people to experience life. Secondly, we want people to find freedom. It it bothers me when people are walking in bondage, bondage of over uh, things in their life. Jesus came to set the captives free. And as a believer, as a body of Christ, uh, our objective is to do what Jesus did here on this earth. And if he came to set the captives free, then what should be our objective? What should be our mission? Our mission should be the same, to set people free, to help people to find freedom. And then we want to help people to discover their purpose. Uh, We don't want to be like the children of Israel, wandering in the wilderness throughout our lifetime. Statistics tell us that 87% of people will never discover their purpose. That means they'll wander in the wilderness, all their lifetime, never entering into what God had for them. As a church, we want to help people discover purpose. And then ultimately, our ultimate goal and our ultimate win for us and our aim for us is that we help people to make a life-giving difference through their life. We uh, do that in a measure through our dream team. Our dream team is all about us coming together, together, corporately, collectively, making a difference in people's lives. And so that's what, you know, that just doesn't happen unless you have a generous spirit, a generous heart on you. And so uh, for you that are doing that, thank God for that. Uh, And we're, we're grateful for that. But understand this, we all have room to grow. Every one of us have room to grow. And I believe that God wants us to touch, not only touch a world, but reach a world. And so it's going to take us being generous. So what I want to do is I want to start, start with Luke's gospel. And uh, we're going to read in Luke chapter 9. And today, Luke chapter 9, I'm going to begin with verse 23. And it says this, Then Jesus said to all his followers, If you truly desire to be my disciple, you must disown your life completely. That's, that's pretty radical. Uh, Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, then you're going to have to disown your life. Another translation says that you're going to have to deny yourself. And so, disown your life completely, embrace my cross as your own, and surrender to my ways. For if you choose self-sacrifice, giving up your lives for my glory, you will embark on a discovery of more and more of true life. But if you choose to keep your lives for yourself you will lose what you try to keep. Wow, that's pretty, that's pretty radical. And so it's our desire that we always be where God wants us to be, the safest place, the most healthy place, the most blessed place that we could possibly be is in the will of God. When we get away from the will of God, then's when we miss out on life's best and we want to have life's best. Is that right? And so uh, I'm going to tell you when it comes to money, and because we're talking about generosity, when it comes to money, people do not understand. And matter of fact, uh, they don't really have a good understanding of what God intended for their money. And uh, I, I, matter of fact, I, I, just, I, I just want all of us to understand this, is that not only does God have a purpose, have a, a, a uh, mission for everything in your life, but also your money. He had that included. It isn't like he, he had something for every area in your life, but in the area of money, he didn't include that. But he included that also. And then when it comes to the area of putting God first in our money, then people really, really don't understand. Now, let me just say this up front. Please hear my heart. I'm not trying to get anything from you. I'm trying to get something to you. I'm trying to get God's best in your life. Understand that uh, this isn't a a message of condemnation for those that are not there yet, maybe haven't entered into that yet. Uh, I just ask you to just open your heart and let God speak to you, okay? And uh, and, and just here, here today, there's no pressure, there's no condemnation. I'm not looking at your giving knowing who does what or who doesn't do what. But I do want you to understand that, uh, that this is vitally, vitally important in your life. So what is the first four and what is the first? And so Leviticus, I believe, tells us, and let me give it to you in verse uh, 30 of chapter 27. It says this, And the, all the tithe of the land, land whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's, it is holy, and it is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Now, let me say this, it's been years and years and years that I've talked about the tithe. I may have alluded to it here and there, but ha- I mean, literally have talked about it. I didn't realize that. And then the, as I studied it, as, as I studied about the first, the first being the tithe, and uh, as I studied about it, I saw that this wasn't a negative thing. People have made it negative. That this isn't a bad thing, people have made it bad, and it's only because we haven't understood the importance of putting God first in our money, and that's called putting God, uh, giving God the first tenth. The tithe means tenth, giving God the first tenth of all our increase, of all our income, and it's not a bad thing. So, please, if if you think it is a bad thing, if you have that understanding today, hopefully God will speak something uh, different. To you today and that you will you will understand on a different level and it will change your life it will change your life I've been tithing since I was I was uh, a, a Christian I I mean right after being born again 30 some odd 33 years ago I, I before coming to the Lord I was a bad alcoholic let's train grab me Bob's mic I don't like this one the uh, the uh, uh, thirty three years ago I got born again, and prior to getting born again i got uh, i was I was a bad alcoholic. I was doing drugs i was still I was spending money on uh, on alcohol and I drank a lot I was a very very uh, heavy drinker. I drank a lot I could drink easily a couple of cases a day and still maintain i I, I was one of those uh, uh, alcoholics that could maintain. I I had, I have a brother that when he drank, he got crazy. He just lost all control. I could be, I can control myself under, uh, the influence of alcohol. And so I, I drank a lot as a result. And so when I came into the kingdom of God, it was easy. When I heard this truth about putting God first with the tithe, it was easy for me to go ahead and give that tithe to the Lord. And so I started tithing right away. And honestly, it did something for me. From the very beginning, it did something for me in putting... And we're going to talk about that today that I think it'll do for you if if you are maybe not practicing that in your life. And so the first thing... Uh, The first thing that I want us to understand about the tithe is this, and putting God first in the tithe, and that's what the first is for. And the word, you know, the Bible says that the tithe is the Lord's and it is holy. The word holy actually means just, it means just to set apart. It means set apart unto God. And so that tithe is set apart unto God. And let me tell you what it is, first of all. What is the first for? It is living out God's principle. Did you turn me down? Turn me up just a hair more. I'm just struggling a little bit for my sake. I know you guys are probably hearing fine, but uh, thank you so much. And so, uh, living out God's principle. I want to say this up front, that the tithe is, more than anything, it's a principle. There are those that believe that the tithe was under the law, and therefore they don't have to live by the law any longer, and therefore uh, it doesn't apply to New Testament Christians. I I literally had a pastor tell me this one time. He says, you know, he says, uh, you want to know how to grow your church? He says, just preach grace, 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 and that they don't have to obey the law. And uh, and this guy, I know, and this guy, this guy uh, eventually ended up in jail because he was in a bar and he got in a fight and he was thrown in jail. And uh, and and I told him, and he, he and I got in, you know, had to, had an exchange about that. Grace is not an, an elimination of the law in our lives. Grace gives us in grace gives us the ability to fulfill the law. Obviously, grace is not saying that we can go out and kill somebody, we can steal from somebody, that we can lie and cheat and do all those things. Grace is saying. In Jesus Christ, the law was fulfilled, and because it was fulfilled, we don't have to do everything to be right with God now. It, we're right with God because of what Jesus did. and now that we're right with Him, from the position of being right from Him or with Him, we have the grace to go ahead and do the right thing. He gives us the power, the ability to be able to fulfill what He wants us to fulfill. And so, but I argue the point that the tithe is not, uh, it was before the law, it was during the law, and it's after the law, because it was a principle. It was a principle that we see from the very beginning that was laid out. A matter of fact, when, and when God created Adam and Eve, he said, you can have everything in the garden, everything in the, in the, in the garden you can have, but this tree don't eat of. And, and really, the tree was a tithe and then and then, whenever uh, uh, the uh, Israelites were delivered out of egypt and and eventually Joshua took the Israelites into the promised Land, and uh, God says, "You can have all this promised land, but I want the first of the all, and it's called Jericho. Don't touch Jericho. We know the story if you've read your Bible. That Ai he uh, they came and, 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 and because of a a guy named Achan, he he held back some of the stuff in in, uh, in Jericho, and then Ai this little old place stomped Israel, and it's like something's up here. And and we found out it's because there was the tithe was touched, but it really it's more than that. It was the principle. There's a principle. You, 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 you've ever heard cause and effect? There, there's a cause and an effect. If you'll operate in the principle of God, it will work for you. And I say it this way all the time. You hear me say it if you've been around here. If you work the word, the word will work. If you work the word, the word will work. It's the if and, if and then. If you do this, then this will happen. If you do this, then that, this will happen. And so many of us have not practiced it enough or even practiced it at all to understand that if we do it, then we're gonna see it's good for us, that it's gonna it's gonna actually produce something good in our life. So Romans chapter eleven verse sixteen it says for it is for it says for if the first fruit is holy, the lump also is holy it is if if the root is holy." so also are the branches in other words if we make sure that we set aside that what is holy then it's going to impact the rest of our life i like to say it this way i like to say that god can do god can do more with your 90% than than you can do with the 100% if you will just give him the 10% the first tenth then you watch and see if God doesn't increase the 90%. You can get more done with the 90% than you can get done without giving God the first tenth. Are are you understanding that? And uh, Proverbs says it this way. It says in Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, I'm going to read it to you out of two translations. It says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first and best part of your income. Then, see? See? then, if and then, if you'll do this, then, then your barns will be full, your vats will overflow with fresh wine. And then and uh, I like this way that uh, Passion Translation puts it. It says, glorify God with your wealth, honoring him with your very best, with every increase that comes to you, then every Every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. Isn't that good? I mean that is that is absolutely good. And so there's the if and then, the if and then, and, and it's a principle. Principles will work if you do it, then this will happen. And and I, I I've I thought about this and, and you know, time this morning we spent a little bit more time doing other stuff, but this if you'll allow me just a little bit of time. I just want to share a couple of principles that will work, like the principle of diligence. If you'll be diligent, the Bible says, then you will bear rule. Then you will come out on top. If you'll just be steadfast, it's amazing if you'll just do something just consistently, steadfastly, just keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. And some of you know that I'm very, very di- disciplined. And, and honestly, it came from that principle, if I'll just be diligent. If I'll just be diligent. I remember just becoming a, a, um, a single parent, and my son was very young. He was uh, about four years old, three or four years old. When I became a single parent, I had him for six years before I uh, met my wife and before we got married. And, and the, the principle that God gave me, he says, he, and I, I just felt it in, uh, that God spoke this to my heart, if you'll just be diligent, he'll not be affected by, by this divorce that you went through. And so I just got diligent. I just got steadfast, steadfast in my prayers, steadfast in, and I had him on a schedule. I'm very scheduled. I've been, not by nature. It was something that I, I incorporated in my life. And I, if I'd be diligent, then I'm, our relationship will always be healthy. My relationship with my son and I, I just keep sowing in him, sowing in him, sowing. If, if I'll do that, I'll always have a voice in his life now not only do i have a voice in his life but i have a voice in my daughter-in-law's life in my grandchildren's life and and i believe it came from the principle of diligence if and then, if you'll do this, then you're going to see the results. He will, if you'll be diligent, you'll bear rule. In other words, you're going to rise to the top. You're going to, you're going to come out and you're going to experience the best that God has for you. If you'll be diligent, you'll see that happen. The, 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 the whole uh, principle of integrity. If you'll walk in integrity, then you will walk in safety. Then you'll have uh, God's guidance in your life. There's just so many principles in your life that if you'll do it, then you'll experience it. It's a principle in your life that will produce good for you if you'll just operate in it. Are you seeing that? So, first of all, it's a principle. Secondly, it's giving God priority. Putting God first, giving God the first is a priority. It's a priority that you must choose to do in your life in order to see the result of priorities. And let me just tell you, God's a God of order. And because he's a God of order, if you put things in order, you'll see everything else f- fall in place. Isn't it amazing? If you make sure that you're, you get something in order, you get something out of order, then certain, certain things won't come into play. It won't come into place. It won't fall into place. So you've got to have order in order to see other things fall into place in your life. It's priority, the law of priority. If you'll have priority in your life, if you put God first, you'll see those things happen. Matthew chapter 6, I, I want I, there's a couple of scriptures as I was going through this that I, that I saw in, in regards to priority and putting God first and some statements that kind of bothered me when I used to read these. Till I understood it. But I want you to see that God just wants to be first in our life, in every area. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, it says, No man or no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one or love the other. And that was the statement that always bothered me. I'll, I'll, he'll either hate the one or love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, notice here it says that we need to be, we need to understand that there's a priority. God needs to have priority, or according to this, we will hate the other. Now, that was the word that bothered me, the word hate there, because we know that God's a God of love, right? And we know that He even tells us to love our enemies. He tells us to forgive and love and that God is love and in him, you know, he can't hate. He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't hate people, and he's not telling us to hate people. But there was another scripture that I read that said something similar to that, and it just, it, again, it bothered me. And so I'm hoping to clear this up today. In Luke chapter 14, verse 26, it says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children brothers and sister, yes, even his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. Now, if we read it at face value, it almost says that, uh, we almost believe that God says to hate everybody, even ourselves. Isn't that right? And that is rough. And so I looked it up. I looked up the Greek word and what it means, and it means to love less. So, if we're going to follow him, we need to love money less than God. If we're going to follow him, we need to love our father, our mother, our wife, our children, our brothers and sister, even our own life, love those things, those people less than God. Now it makes sense. And what he's saying is that we need to make sure that we put him first in our life. From the very beginning of creation, we see that with, uh, with uh, again, the Garden of Eden, that God was a God of order. He says, keep order. He says, you can do all this thing, but I need to be first. I want to be first. And when, by keeping God first, it does a few things. One, it keeps order in our life. Two, it uh, keeps your heart devoted and three, it keeps provision flowing in it, the provision that he wants flowing into our life. God's always going to provide. The Bible says that he reigns upon the just and the unjust because he's just a good God. God is good. And so we're all going to experience the goodness of God. That's not the case. I believe that it just hinders God from pouring out on our lives everything that he wants to pour out on our lives when we don't put him first. And I believe that Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says this. It says, but seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. But God has to be first. And so the tithe is exactly that. It is first. And what's God after? Let me tell you what he's after. He's not after your money. He's not demanding necessarily. He's not demanding that he be first. What he's looking for is he's wanting a heart connection with us. Because where your heart is, there your treasure will be also, Matthew's gospel tells us. And there's many people. So he's not looking just for your activity because I've known people that have maybe tithe and are giving God the tenth, but their hearts fart from God. And let me tell you something, if you're giving just because God commands it, then and your heart's not connected to it, then you're you're gonna miss out on what God has for you. I would even venture to say it's probably not doing you any good. Might as well hold on to your tithe. If your heart if don't give out of pressure, don't give out of pressure. Give because you're connected to God. You just love him and you want to you honor him. Okay? Uh, Matthew uh, 15, 8, it says, These people, they drew near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart was far from me. Uh, years ago, uh, I was in a worship service in Houston, Texas, and we were at some type of conference or something, and I was worshiping God. And uh, I was just sitting there just, just enjoying the presence of God during worship, just loving on God, and God spoke to me. Not that I heard a voice. I just had a knowing in my knower. You, if you've been around, you know what I'm talking about. I, I, we all have this knower that God communicates, and it's honor, in our spirit. And I was just worshiping, worshiping, worshiping God, and God speaks to my heart, and he says, Give me your son. Give me your son. Now, I had dedicated my son to the Lord. I have gone, I went through all the motions. I did all of that. And I, I, had, I, thought, I thought God was first over my son. But I'm going to tell you, he must have not been because something happened that day when I said yes to the Lord. I began to weep like a baby. Not because I had to give him up, I don't know what it was. It was just the presence of God that overshadowed shadowed me and that just came upon me. And I began to weep. And I knew from that day on that I did not have to worry about my son ever again. I, it was just something that happened. It broke in me. And it was just like, I, gave, I said, okay, Lord, he is yours. I give him to you. And from that point on, I, I, I have not worried about my son. He's, he's been all over the country. He, he, you know, he's, he, he's I, and I haven't worried about him. And our relationship has been good, continues to be good. And I believe because I place God first. It isn't that I hated him, but I hated him in a biblical sense, in that I love my son less than I love God. Are you, are you seeing that? I've, I've, put, I've given God priority in my son, in my relationship with my son, and it's done nothing but bless me. And he'll do the same in your life. And, and, and so I don't know what the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, but I would say listen today. So what's the first four? It's giving God priority. Let me give you one more thought, and it's for fulfilling God's purpose. It's for fulfilling God's purpose. Malachi Chapter 3, verse 10, it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. And the storehouse uh, for New Testament is a, is a local church. And that's where, you know, God uh, feeds, takes care of doing what we're doing today. It says, bring all the tithes in the storehouse that there might be food in my house. You're getting spiritual food right now. You're being fed. We're, we reach people all the time. We don't only do it the, what we're doing now, but we do it through our giving. And, and we're going to talk more about that next week. And we're going to talk about what the more is for next week. And I, you don't want to miss next week, okay? It w- I, I believe this is one of those messages. I really felt like God spoke to me that this series will be the, the game changer for your life if you'll, take, if you'll listen. But it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. Try me in this. If I will not open to you the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will not be a room enough to receive it and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that, you will, uh, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, all the nations will call call you blessed. For you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Now, as I was preparing for this, I I, I wrote this down, and, uh, and and that's this is that and statistically, statistically, three to six percent of Christians only three percent of uh, to six percent of Christians tithe. And, and, and understand this. No condemnation if, that, if you're outside of those boundaries. Just understand. it's maybe that you just don't understand the importance of it. But as I thought about this, uh, 3 to 6% don't tithe. That means the majority of people don't understand it or they don't believe in it. They may think that it's the law and that it's passed. And I do know that there's that belief out there. And I do know that people think that they don't have to tithe, and, and, and that's fine. You, you really don't have to do anything. You, you, you don't. You, you just can believe in Jesus Christ, and you can make it to heaven. You, you'll be, you're, 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 his love toward you is not hinged on whether you tithe or not. Does that make sense? And so don't be condemned over it, but I just want you to uh, understand this reasoning. Because uh, I've, heard, I've heard it said, and I've, I know that there are people that believe that we live under grace and that we give as the Lord leads, and, uh, and, and under grace is the Lord leads, and that's how the local churches are supported. I would argue the point that if we, uh, everybody operated on that uh, that frame of thinking, that we would not be here today because our church is supported, 99% of the uh, people that support our church are through those that tithe on a regular basis. So if everybody took that belief, most people are not going to be giving. Are are you understanding? And so, so it enables us. It enables us to be able to make a difference in people's lives. It enables us to... Have people uh, come to the Lord on a regular basis. Uh, there's a lady in our church, she was, uh, the other day we were talking, she says, I never, never knew that life could be this good. And she said, and it's all because of our, I, and, and she says, life could be this good and church could be this good. We do have an awesome church. We really, really have an outstanding church. And, uh, and honestly, it's, it, our church is here because people give toward it because people support it. And for you that do, my hat's off. For you that aren't there yet, listen, I would just say, consider everything I'm saying. No condemnation. a matter of fact, if you feel pressure to give, don't give. Because God says don't give under pressure. He says don't give under compulsion. Don't give because there's a need. He says you give out of a Willing heart. He's looking for your heart more than he is looking for anything else. We need to understand also that our giving is helping our church to prepare for a greater church. I got that from Miss Vicky this morning. It's helping us to prepare for a greater church. When we give, it enables us. And 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 uh, we were we were kind of discussing this this morning, and everybody doing their part it'd be amazing how much uh, things would be multiplied, how much more we could get done if all of us would just understand and capture that this, this, will, this will make a difference in, in and through our lives. So it's for, it's for fulfilling God's purpose, and I could sit here and talk about that over and over and over, but I, I just want to say, too, I believe that when, when we put God first... And we don't allow money to dictate our life. Because money can do that. Same way that fear can do that. Intimidation. uh, uh, Insecurities. All those things can dictate our life. Can be the leader of our life. When we don't allow money to do that. Then it allows us to follow God when God leads. Does that make sense? In other words, if, if... if if money is the dictator of our life and leads our life then when god comes knocking at our door for us to do something and it calls for a sacrifice then potentially we're going to walk away sad And we're going to walk away uh, uh, missing out on God's best. You remember the rich young ruler? Some of you, in Mark chapter 10, where he came to God and he says, what can I do to be saved? And Jesus said, do this, do this, do this. And uh, the rich young ruler says, I did it all. Thank you. Thank you. I've fulfilled those laws since I was a kid. And and Jesus looking at him with his heart of love. And he says, one thing you lack, go sell what you have, give it to the poor and then uh, pick up your cross and follow me. You remember that story? And it it tells us in verse 22 of Mark 10, after he said that, it says, but he was sad at this word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He was sad. At some point, we will get sad and walk away. Uh, There are people that... say that uh, this rich young ruler was being considered as being the replacement of Judas that he was a he was rich he was a ruler he was a strong leader he had the ability to lead well in the kingdom of god but because he couldn't put first things first he walked away sad and he may have walked away from his purpose now it's not stated in scripture but it is as, as far as histories uh, as far as history tells us, that's what we understand, that, that, that he was being considered. I remember the first time when, uh, again, it wasn't hard for me to give a tithes, but it was hard to give me, for me to give anything above. I grew up poor, and so we didn't have very much at all. And so it was very difficult for me to give. And there was a time uh, right after I got born again that God says, give $100 in this offering. And some of you have heard the story. And uh, I remember, and I, it wasn't that I heard a voice, I just knew that I knew in my heart, give 100. And I remember writing out that check, and it was probably the hardest check that I ever have written in my entire life. And I remember uh, I was in the back, and by the time the offering buckets went by, uh, and, and from the front to the back, I almost talked myself out of giving it. And uh, but I didn't, and I got that check when it came. When I put that check in that offering bucket, I felt I felt something in me. I felt something in me die. I died to money, but I came alive unto God. I died to my my control of being controlled by money, but I came alive unto God. That was that was what happened. There was something that broke in me. Some of you will never know what that is until, until you take a step of faith. And so I don't know where you are in your, in your walk and where you are financially, but God has a plan for you. And it's a plan to prosper you, to give you a hope, and to give you a future. It's not to take something from you, but honestly, I believe with all my heart, it's something to get to you. But with all that being said, don't give because you're going to be getting Give because you just love God, because you honor Him. Do that, and you watch and see if it doesn't change your life. Pray about it. Ask God to help you. Feed your faith on it. You watch and see if it doesn't make a life-giving difference in your lives. I hope this helped this morning. This was probably one of the hardest messages that I would ever have to preach here, because people are are honestly, uh, like I said, percentage-wise, most people do not tithe. Most people do not give and uh as a as a result I know that it would be it's going to be tough it's tough to hear for you and, and and so i I understand that but hopefully you heard my heart on this it's not to condemn you it's to help you it's to try to t- further you and take you where God wants you to go amen let's pray father we thank you today we honor you sir we thank you for